Welcome listeners to a brand new bonus episode of Oh My Word Podcast. And today we've got an awesome treat because we have Lorna Rose, who is a writer, specifically narrative nonfiction and poetry. And we're going to hear all about that. So Lorna, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Very excited to have you and excited to talk. So just as a general idea, long or short version, how did you even get into writing? How did this become a thing for you? I actually started writing in grade school. I was one of those like nerds that won like a young author award, like in fifth grade. And I wrote this story about this gingerbread family who lived in a cupboard and they were going to be on a birthday cake and eaten. So they had to like escape. And it was like this whole little cute little story. And then I got away from writing for a long time. I'm from a, a family of businessmen and engineers and creative writing was not encouraged. And so I completely got away from it, went to college, graduated, went to work for corporate America because that's what I thought was expected of me. That's what I thought my path was. So I spent the better part of 10 years doing that before I realized this is not my bag. This isn't a good fit. I was like moderately successful, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't comfortable. By then I was living in Washington state with my husband and long story short, I came back to writing when I was 35 and a new mom. And I wrote about motherhood and what it's like to leave your job and stay home and how isolating that can be. And I wrote about not feeling bonded with my son for the first three months or so, because nobody talks about that stuff. Everybody talks about how great motherhood is and how lovely every moment is. And I wasn't feeling that. So I wanted to write about the other stuff that people don't talk about that people need to talk about more. And it just kind of went from there. I started writing other stuff. I started being brave and submitting to magazines and getting lots and lots and lots of rejections. But I kept going. That's how I came back to writing after probably, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Whoa. Okay, one second, one second. That gingerbread story sounds so cute. Have you thought of going back to make it into a kid's book? I haven't actually. Ironically, my mom saved it. You know, those like white blank books, those hardback books that you write on as a kid. That's what the story was written in. In the beginning, I have this inscription. It was published by third grade publishers. That's who my publisher was for this book. And I have like a dedication and stuff. I illustrated myself and I'm still not an artist. I'm not a drawer. So you've got these gingerbreads that are just very rudimentary and these humans with big hands. And I'm still not a drawer. Probably my artistic ability is probably at that same level as from like third grade. So we'll find someone else to illustrate if we have to. But Pixar needs to pick it. It sounds adorable. Oh, it was cute. And I read it to my kids now because like my mom saved all that stuff and sent it to me. Hey mom, yeah. So when you went to college, it was for some sort of career specific thing that you were doing like no writing no none of that was happening no I I went I got a degree in psychology and then I out west I'm from the midwest originally I don't know if you can hear my accent I moved out to Arizona I followed a boy after college and I just fell into working for large companies and I was in sales for a while which I hated because I'm an introvert and I don't know why why I was in sales, but here I was. I don't know. I just kept going with it for a long time, even though it wasn't a good 
fit because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Wow. Yeah. And then when you did start writing, you said you're writing some of the stuff about motherhood and, and things like that. Was it just you're writing for yourself or you're putting it on a blog somewhere or that you were also submitting? So at first I just wrote for myself. There was at the time a mom blog in town, kind of a locally sourced. It was run by our newspaper here. It just wrote about kind of just whatever related to motherhood. So that was kind of my foray into finding readership and finding like a larger audience and actually getting my words out there, getting it out of my head and onto the paper. So other moms and, and parents and whoever could read it. I don't know. It just kind of went from there. Did you get direct feedback from any of your articles that, that you had put up on that blog? I did. I, I got a lot of, thank you for writing this because I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one who didn't feel bonded with her kid in the beginning. I thought I was the only one who was not really loving motherhood for a while. I thought I was the only one who had feeding complications or pregnancy complications or something. I wrote about all that. It was authentic to who I was and what I was going through and kind of my process with it. So when I put it out there, it, it was a first it was good. Yeah. The decision to switch to go out of the corporate America and go to writing, that was because you, you had to take off work anyway. And at that point, you're like, well, this is going to stop now. So I may as well make the change now. There was something else that led to that. Yeah, I left work to have the baby. I was on like maternity leave. My plan was to go back to work. I mean, I was on leave. I was going to come back and we had like, a daycare lined up for our son. And that was the plan. And I remember walking into his room one morning and it was one of my last days of leave. And he was like in his little bassinet. I think he was three months at the time. So just like starting to smile and starting to be cute. He just gave me this smile right when he saw me. And I thought, I can't leave him. What am I doing? We can make this work. I can stay home and we can make this work financially. And then I thought, really, what the hell am I doing? Staying at home like me? Staying at home? What? What? But I did. And I was like, okay, so I'm at home now. I need an outlet. I need to be doing something. So I started writing. And you know what? It felt like coming home. That's amazing. Kind of, I think the big question is, especially when you're staying at home to write, everyone knows you have to be pretty self-disciplined for that. And if you're at home and you got kids running around, you're like, it's mommy's writing time. Go entertain yourself right now. Or do you have to wait for nap time? Or kind of skipping to how do you balance both? But how do you balance both? So we had my son. And then when he was two and a half, my daughter came. When they were younger, you write during nap time because that's what you got. As they got older, I would say what, what, just what you said, Hey, mama's writing right now. And I set them up, you know, just like <laughs> leave the TV on and go, right. We have a, a schedule. Both my kids are, one is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. The other one is kind of on the brink, I think, but they're both very routine. They like the structure. They love what to, to know what to expect. I mean, that is like paramount for them. And so when I do the schedule each day, I'll write free choice. Free choice is like time when they can do whatever they want to do. And I, that's my time too. And so I'll be at the computer. I'll be writing. Sometimes I'll have like a meeting at that time, like on Zoom. They know that that's my time. The office door is closed. Mom's on the computer doing her thing. And I've had that come up to me like, hey, mom, let's play dollies or hey, let's go for a walk. No, this is my time. And I used to feel really bad about that. 
But I think it's important for kids to see their parents being someone other than their parent. I think it's important for them to see mom working on something that she loves. That's just for her. She's a real person. She's not just mom. She's not just here to fulfill my needs. She has needs of her own. I meet moms that are like, you know, I want to be a writer and, you know, I want to do this and how do you do it? And I just say it takes time because you have to build up a habit, right? You have to build up that writing routine. It takes intention because like you you mentioned self-discipline before, it takes a lot of that. And then it takes grace. Give yourself lots of grace because things come up with kids all the time, unexpected things. You know, I had a nice writing routine down. One was in preschool, one was in grade school. And so I had not like all day, but I had a good chunk of the day. I had a good few hours to write every day, which was heaven. And then COVID happened. So suddenly everybody's home and, you know, nobody knows what's going on. Like schooling is just, just crazy. So there's got to be built in for that. It is easy to get discouraged, especially in the beginning with like, I can't find time to write. That's easy, but it does take that time and that discipline to establish that habit. Another tool I used is muscle memory. So I started writing my memoir when my daughter was born. I used to joke, oh, what better time to start writing a book? I've got a newborn and a a two and a half year old. But I do think it was because I needed something for me. I needed something that was just totally mine that I didn't have to share with anybody. It was just mine. So I did that. And I remember trying to get into the habit of writing. And most of my writing took place after the kids went down for the night. And I was not one of those like early morning risers, like a 5am writers club or anything that that's not me. That sounds exhausting to me. You have to find a balance to that because your kids are only young. ones; They only have one childhood and these moments, they don't come back. So you need a balance. Like I remember upstairs nursing my daughter for the night. And then I was going to put her down. I was really like, had this urge to write this particular scene in my memoir. And that's all I kept thinking about. I was like, I'm going to scene tonight. Yeah, it's going to be great. And so I'm here with this baby and I'm like, hurry up. I know this is great. This is a bonding moment. It's special. You're not going to want to nurse forever. And I love it, but I got to go right. You know, I got to go do this. And so there's that too going on and you just gotta, you gotta roll with it. And then when they just to ask, when you did start submitting to magazines and you started branching out, still mom stories in particular that you were writing about? Or by then you're starting to write all kinds of stories? All kinds of stuff. But it was motherhood in the beginning that I was submitting. And actually remember, Literary Mama is a, it's a lit mag about motherhood. And they accepted, it was like my first acceptance. It was a poem about motherhood. And that gave me a lot of encouragement. It's always nice to get an acceptance toward the beginning, because then you just feel you can get through the rejections a little bit easier. But then I started branching out to other topics, not just motherhood, but I wrote about just complicated relationships I've had in my life, resilience, like coming back from abuse, from hard times. Wow. Where did the poetry come from? Because 
You're saying you're kind of starting to write again, but it seemed like mainly doing the narrative nonfiction, a lot of personal stories, just because you thought of a poem or like... This particular piece, I felt it just sort of lent itself to a poem. I don't know. It just kind of came out as a poem. It didn't come out as prose. It just sort of, I don't know, like, oops, there's a poem. Yeah, but you're right. I, I mainly write prose. That's kind of my bag. Going to the memoir for a second, was there a particular reason you chose memoir versus writing... Well, like you could have written anything. I used to live in Southern California and I was a typical LA party girl. I was hitting the clubs every weekend and the bars. And I mean, that whole scene, I wanted to be like discovered. I was completely starstruck and went to great lengths to make sure other people noticed me. Long story short, I ended up leaving that life to serve on a trail crew in rural Alaska. Like work chainsaws, pickaxes, camp, I mean, the whole scene. And so that's what, that's mainly what my memoir is about. So before I started writing it, I would meet people and, and I would kind of tell them my story a little bit and they'd be like, wow, that's, that's so interesting. You should write about that. (laughs) And so I am. So here I am. So now you're kind of balancing the short stories and the memoir at the same time? Yeah, I'll write personal essay. I'll write and publish personal essays and then some poetry. But my first book length work is the memoir. Yeah. Wow. Is that kind of weird or hard that you're moving now? It's like a full length book instead of writing either a poem or a short story? Or do you feel like each chapter because it's own short story sort of thing? It is a different animal. It, it took a while to make that switch mentally. Like I, I worked with someone, I worked with kind of a writing coach. At first I would turn in these chapters to him. We would meet and he would give me feedback. And then I would go back and rewrite these chapters and turn them in again. And I did this a couple of times and he's like, Lorna, you got to give me more. This isn't like like school, like you're turning in an assignment. You need to just keep going. You, you got to build the momentum if you're going to make it through this book. Are you pretty far along at this point or are you still like, oh no, so much left? It's kind of been interesting. So I spent four years, I, the first four years of my daughter's life writing my memoir. And I wrote it as a straight memoir. I mean, I read like a novel. I had scenes and dialogue and characters and like the whole bit. Again, I thought that's what you were supposed to do you know when you write a memoir you just write like a it's like one cohesive story and there's like a narrative arc I was very married to my idea of having a narrative arc so I did this for four years I gave it to a round of beta readers got feedback did edits and then I started querying agents because again that's what you're supposed to do when you want to be traditionally published is you query agents so I queried for several months Hated the process, hated everything about it. I didn't like the lack of transparency because here I am, I put my soul into writing the perfect query letter and most of the time I heard nothing. So that got frustrating. I didn't like the power differential. Like here I am, this poor, lowly writer who wants like a deal and they're the gatekeepers, right? They're going to say yay or nay. So they're up here and I'm down here and I didn't like that either. So I took a step back after several months of not hearing anything. I think I got a, in that time, a, a couple of requests for fulls, but nothing ever came of it. So I decided to reset and take a breath. And at the same time, well, a couple of things happened about that time. I discovered small presses and I had a few friends who had published through small presses and just were very happy 
with the process and their editor was awesome. Small presses just seemed like a better fit for me and my personality and my goals. So I, I put them on my radar and I started researching small presses. About that same time, I had been reading a lot of essay collections at that time. Like I read uh, Trick Mirror, which is by Tia Tolentino. It it was a bestseller. It won some awards. It's a phenomenal book. It's kind of commentary on our social media and our kind of our narcissistic society. And then I also read Leaving Isn't the Hardest Thing by Lauren Huff. So I just finished reading those. And so kind of essay collection was on my mind. And one day I thought, you know what? I write essays and I publish essays and I'm good at it. I enjoy writing them. I like my voice in essays. Why don't I turn this into an essay collection? Because whatever I was doing in my memoir was not working. I actually had gone back about the same time and looked at my manuscript with fresh eyes. And it had been at least a year since I had really touched my manuscript. And I realized my story was boring. I had written it like I was like a famous person. And why wouldn't you want to know about me? And there was no hook. There was no signal to the reader or like an indicate, you know, like, oh, my God, I got to keep reading this book. There was nothing like that. And so I thought, God, no wonder it's not getting picked up. No wonder I'm hearing crickets because it's boring. And so I have spent the last better part of a year turning it into an essay collection. It's a lot of work, but I'm so much happier with my voice. I, I feel like I don't have the constraints that I had before when I'm writing traditional memoir and I'm writing scenes and characters and dialogue. I can talk directly to the reader. I can spend a lot of time reflecting. I can summarize parts of my life that really aren't germane to the story or just leave them on altogether. Before that, I didn't think I could do that. And I was also not comfortable with turning myself into a character and turning my, the people around me into characters. And I I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at it. I get such a big thing to have to acknowledge changing something that you spent so much time on but then when you're so much happier with it it's like worth it I thought I did this yeah like I, I still have the old manuscript and I just look at it and I just cringe I'm like oh my god this wasn't even my best writing but at the time I thought it was like at the time I'm like oh my god they're gonna love this book <laughs> you know it's gonna be a bestseller I think my craft got better As I went along, which is great. It's overall a great thing, but it can be problematic if you're working on several years worth project, kind of your craft level improves in that time. It's like, and then you've got to go back and fix old writing and stuff. So it's a little bit complicated, but I'm very happy with how things are progressing at this point. That's amazing. I did actually want to go back to ask when you were saying that originally when you were kind of structuring your day, So yeah, you'd be writing, let's say during nap time or something. I've heard people say that when the baby naps, that's your time to nap because, you know, mothers are so tired. Were you not sometimes sitting at your computer and just falling asleep? Was that a part of the challenge a little bit? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's not as simple as how I made it to be. So my daughter was a horrible sleeper, seriously, for the first four years of her life. She had a couple medical things going on, but she would be up multiple times a night. 
It was horrible. I don't know how we got through that time. It was just awful. I, I definitely hear that balance nap when the baby naps. That is good advice. Take care of yourself first because you can't write your best work. You're like falling asleep or whatever. So there is definitely a balance there. And that's a very individual thing. Sometimes I'd split up my time and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to nap for 10, 20 minutes. And then I'll, I'll go right. Like I'll take a little cat nap and then, and then I'll go right. That kind of also that you've mentioned grace that sort of comes in to know, like you need to take your nap now, just have your nap. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's always a balance. Parenthood is a balance as it is, but then you like, you stick writing in there and you, and you want to I create while parenting. It's even more of a balance. What I do is I sit down Sunday night with my planner. I have a paper planner oh, still wow. because I'm old school. I don't use my phone. I, it just doesn't work for me. And I map out my week and I'm like, okay, Monday, I'll spend some time maybe batching reels for Instagram or something. I've actually not made a reel on Instagram yet, but like as an example, Tuesday, I need to edit chapter 13 or whatever. Wednesday, I'm going to do this. Thursday, I'll write a blog post, whatever. I like to keep it a little bit loose. I mean, that's kind of my overall structure. But if I wake up Monday morning and I'm just like, oh my God, I really want to edit chapter 13 today. I'm really feeling it. I'm going to switch them out. If I'm inspired to do something, I'm going to do that task. I like to front load in the week. So the big tasks, maybe the tasks I'm not necessarily looking forward to, I just want to get them done and over with. So maybe that's like a Monday, Tuesday thing. Also things happening with kids, daughter wakes up sick or something happens like that. And you've got to kind of rearrange things a little bit and that that's okay. As long as you keep going. Yeah, that's so true. Okay, now going back to the memoir for a second, have you contacted any press about it from where it is now? Or you're still kind of working on it before you could get to that point? I've gotten some interest. I've got two presses that are waiting for the finished product, which oh. it just adds to the pressure. It's like, oh, I got to get this done. So there's that. And then there's a, a, one of my dream presses. Oh, God, I would love to be published with them. They literally have an open reading period, like for a day, like this whole year. So we'll see how that turns out. But small presses, just the whole process just feels friendlier to me. And it feels more personable. And you're a person, you're a writer, you're not a potential sales figure, you're an actual person doing creative work. And that feels really good to be regarded as that. Do you query just called an essay collection now? It's an essay collection memoir or how do you kind of... Essay collection. Yeah. Or I've, I've also heard the term memoir and essays. Well, because isn't the thing of an essays, and this might just be a misconception, but does that kind of not automatically entail that, that it's a personal viewpoint experience sort of thing in a, versus like a, a short story or a historical anything? Usually essay means personal means narrative nonfiction. So yeah, an essay collection is usually regarded as memoir. Oh, so in the cataloging, they'll call it like a memoir. Like will be one of the things they'll take off. Yeah, and they, they'll shelve it usually with other essay collections or other memoirs. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. If you've written either just regular narrative nonfiction or short stories versus an essay, how do those kind of like line up to each other? 
as far as is the essay length usually kind of the same thing as a short story so it's sort of the same thing you're just not making your characters up or yeah when you write an essay you want to have tension you want to have some sort of narrative arc i think voice just can make all the difference Having a good voice, being able to, to draw the reader in and talk to the reader and be accessible. I mean, those things are important to me. Would you say that essay allows for or kind of encourages more of a stream of consciousness versus usually a story has to have some sort of where are we getting to, but an essay doesn't necessarily have to have that because it could just be about the voice means that I'm just coming along for this. I don't necessarily have to know that we ended up somewhere. We just went, like you can just go on a walk that's, okay, it's still point A to point B, but it's not very specific about the point A to point B. It's more about the style and the tone and et cetera. Whereas sometimes the story is more about what the end point is going to be. Yeah, so an essay, I love it so much because I've been able to talk directly to the reader and I've been able to reflect with the reader and really bring the reader into my internal world. Whereas before, when I was writing scene after scene after scene or character after character after character, there's really not a whole lot of reflection going on or bringing them into my inner world, at least how I was writing it. There was some confines there that I, I didn't like. I didn't feel like I was being authentic with the reader. Before, I, I felt like I had to write every single thing that happened in this part of my life that I'm writing about. I'll give you an example. I dated this jerk in college. He's in my memoir. I mean, he's not germane to the story, but like he's in there. He's someone important. And before, like I, I wrote a scene about we had this big fight and he was accusing me of X and I was defending myself and blah, blah, blah. Like there was, you know, dialogue scene, there was action. And now I can say that he was a jerk. I can just say that and maybe... Maybe like a point or two to, to illustrate that. Maybe like a mini scene to illustrate how much of a jerk he was. But then move on. I don't need to dwell in this space. I mean, the reader really doesn't need to know all this stuff that I was telling him before. So that's been interesting. That, that's been an interesting process to go through. Yeah. Well, it sort of reminds me of when someone does a lot of research for something. And then they're like, wait, I have so much knowledge. I want to put it in. But not all that knowledge is needed. So... For you making this decision to either cut the scene or cut you know, most of the scene and use just an adjective or a brief description, is that just sort of a sense you have or is it, it was much more specific than that of this is not taking me to where I'm going with this part. So this has to come out. Yeah. So I feel like my writing in this current project overall is tighter. I am talking again directly to the reader because I want them to know about this specific point that I'm making right now. And here's how it relates to my larger story. I feel like I can do that now. Whereas before it was flat, like the, the writing was flat. And my voice was completely diluted. That added show, don't tell. I follow that to a T. And I don't think that's the best writing advice. I honestly don't. Is there something specific about it? Or you just realize that that's not always true? I just sort of realized it because, like I said, it, I mean, my voice was diluted. I couldn't talk about my internal process with something, I just had to like show it. Early on in the memoir, I couldn't talk to my reader about X because character Lorna didn't know that yet. Oh. You know, I ran into that. I didn't know of a good way to get around it. And so I had all these things going on that I just, 
it was just not working for me. Well, I wasn't being true to myself as a writer or to my story. And I certainly wasn't doing justice by turning myself and everyone around me into characters. I think show don't tell, that phrase has been around forever. And I certainly think there's a place for it. Absolutely. It's just not my place. I do have scenes that are still scenes in my project, but they're not like, you know, every chapter is a scene. It's nothing like that anymore. It sounds like something you'd use more for like a thriller, maybe, because if you want to keep the action tight or something. If you're writing fiction, totally different rules. Except for my cute little gingerbread story. I mean, I've never written fiction, so I, I don't, but I imagine the rules are way different. It's kind of like a same, same, but different sort of thing. Because things that you're saying, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Even though I predominantly write fictions. I think because also a lot of people, as soon as they hear nonfiction, they're like, no, boring. And it's like, no, it doesn't. That's not true. First of all, it's going to depend on the writer. And narrative nonfiction automatically opens up to being very story-like without it being fiction. Sure. You know, another word for not narrative nonfiction is creative nonfiction. Oh, um, okay. CNF is what they call it. Typically, actually, what that genre or subgenre is referred to. It's creative nonfiction. I don't know. I, I like narrative better because it emphasizes a story, it emphasizes moving through the essay or moving through the book. Yeah. So we always wrap up with a fill in the blank of I really like it when and then choosing one writers, agents, publishers, stories, covers, whatever, anything storytelling. I really like X. I really don't like X. So how do you fill in the blank for that? Can I start with what I hate? Sure. I hate when editors will run a piece with a completely different title than you came up with, unbeknownst to you. Like they didn't even run it by you. They just run it with this different title. And that's happened to me a few times. And it's complete. It's not even like, you know, in the ballpark of my original title. It's like way something different. And I'm like, no, like I chose this title because this is the reflection of, of what I wrote. It's just this completely different title and they don't even tell you, but that's not uncommon. That happens quite a bit, I hear. So it just happened to me with a short story. And oh, really? Yeah. The title I gave it was very specific to the story. Like if you would look past the title for a second, you see that there's like a deeper meaning there. And they changed it to something that was like very lame. And it's, if you didn't like my title, that's fine. But then tell me and let's come up with a title together. That was kind of like my reactive tip. Because, you know, there's still the editors. They might have a sense for where the readership is. But it's like, at least ask me and let's talk about it. So I really love when a seasoned writer is encouraging and generous to newer writers. I think that's awesome. I think that's what makes community. That's what builds community. And there have been so many generous writers in my journey and editors. I mean, it's lame to say, but I, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be working what, what I'm working on if it weren't for, for these generous folks. So I, I really like that. And I, I try to give that back too. Amazing. There's so much gratitude and appreciation for that. Absolutely. Very good. I want to end on that. It's so good. It's so good. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. I'm, I'm really glad we got a chance to speak. Yeah, thank you, Esther. This is a great show you have. This was a bonus episode of Oh My Word podcast featuring writer Lorna Rose. To find out more about Lorna and her work, please visit the link in the episode notes. To find out more about Oh My Word podcast and keep track of all the great stuff we're up to, please follow us on Instagram at Oh My Word podcast. And check us out at eltenabound.com. Music is by Tim Burke. Thank you so much for joining us. Catch you next time.